0: What's up ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to New Hill Talks, a podcast for the members and regular attenders of New Hill Church. My name is Michael Meadows, I'm the lead pastor of New Hill Church. And Mark Sherry, one of the members. And we don't have uh, Gary Fox here today, pastoral candidate of the month. Zero months in a row now, because he's not been here. Uh, Pastor Simon is never here, but we'll go ahead and give him uh, credit. It is uh, June 1st when we're recording this, so he can just go ahead and take over for give May and June. Simon, yeah, you're a pastoral candidate of the month you're he's the only candidate so he gets it every month
1: you're gonna win by default
0: i guess gary still still wins too because he's the only associate pastor
1: we'll let them battle it out for
0: who wins to the death to the
1: to the death cage fight Care knuckle
0: <laughs> i can't even picture that one happening anyways i throw down money for that how was your week as you drink your water
1: <clears throat> yeah, it was it was really good. Um, it was nice to have a Memorial Day. I watched a video where uh, A lady went around asking people what why we celebrate Memorial Day? And a lot of people don't know. No, they don't and they're like, um, you know, the American Revolution to memorialize you know, uh, the, the, the soldiers the veterans and very few people got it right and the right answer is to honor the fallen who fought for our country uh, to serve and protect us so we had a good little trip out to uh, Hinkley Lake. My wife and I walked for about an hour around the entire lake, which was great. Did not have to get cardio in after that. And then we grilled some burgers and called in early night. How about
0: you? We hung out at the house. Uh, actually, we were at Target by 8 a.m. And this was me. I was getting uh, security cameras for the house. Um Mainly because uh, someone let us borrow one of those Blink cameras. Mm -hmm. They're like super sweet, just double A batteries. Um, So they let us borrow that after we had the bat situation so we could just keep an eye on like when we're not at the house or at night, like if they're like flying above you and you don't know. So the thing that freaked me out with the bat was not knowing where it came from. Yeah. Like how did it get in? I think it was a fluke thing. It could have been um, a juvenile that ended Mm -hmm. up in the wrong place or wrong attic. Like, oh, this isn't where our roost is. Woke up, could have been chasing a moth and ended up in our house when the door was open, whatever. But you're thinking like, how long was it in our house? Did we catch it the night that it came in? Probably not. That's what I'm thinking. So like that creeps me out. So um, we we got a couple of those um, because I, I gave the one back. It was uh, lent to me. So I wanted to make sure, you know, hey, let's just go ahead and get them. It was pretty nice, especially... Um, keeping an eye on the girls too. Like, yeah. are they awake? Okay. Like we know. Um, and then one to keep an eye on the hot tub. So we got two. Yeah. that way. No kid ends up in our hot tub with yeah. an accident. So some recent events just have us oh, concerned about that. Just making sure. sure like that was tragic. Yeah. yeah. So, um, praise on that is the day that we're recording this. No bad news has come up from little Everly. So, mm. and the community has been rallying around that and saw uh cool beans cafe even had like a special drink. Uh, for her. So Wait, which, um, do you know which
1: street they lived on? Cause when we walked up Dove street, we saw ribbons on all the trees. I have no idea. I, th- I think it might be on Dove street cause every house on the entire you know street was lined with those ribbons. Yeah.
0: Um, I'm, yeah, really have no idea. And I know that a lot of people have been doing that though. Um, like even the foxes then, right. uh, so the daycare that Naomi, um, uh, runs, uh, they have a big sign, which, you know, she was a student there. Um, I don't know about student. She's uh, and two, A regular attender. Like yeah, yeah a preschooler yeah. there or whatever, a, a daycare attendee. Um, anyways, so, yeah, we got those. That was really early. Actually, um, I love Target, but I was waiting around forever for somebody to unlock those. And I was looking on Amazon, and they said same-day delivery. I almost walked out of Target and just let Amazon deliver it to me the same day while I'm standing in Target. <laughs> Because no one would come over to me after I'd asked for help. Um, so 10, 15 minutes went by and we were walking out and a guy happened to be walking up. And I was like, hey, can you unlock this Like now? Like not ask somebody. He's like, yeah, I got keys. So anyways, we did that. Uh, I'm trying to keep a short story from getting long. Um, Too late. Hung out outside. Yeah, it's like the closing <laughs> at church every Sunday. So um, <laughs> this there was, was that and then... We went to the, the Dubois house for some s'mores later that evening and went home, called her day Awesome. Pretty uneventful, but like good day. But I, I know what Memorial Day is about, so.
1: I should have just asked you, but I didn't want to put you on you the spot. Have.
0: I was actually scared for a second, but I mean, I'm not going to say it's like common sense. so if you guys should just know this, yeah. um, but it's just something that isn't talked about, um, but I mean, we have Veterans Day to honor all veterans, right? Right. And then yeah. um, 4th of July to celebrate yeah. our independence, so. These days are there for a reason. Do you know what Labor Day is for? Yeah, I actually looked it up because I didn't know,
1: but it's in general to honor all the laborers in the country. But I I tried to look into the origins of it. I think it was early 1900s, and I think it was more when the industrial uh, complex had really boomed. Mm-hmm. But I, do, you, do you have a different answer? I think that's that I it,
0: yeah, just to, yeah. to get a day of rest from your labor.
1: You know, it's, it's funny. Uh, as that lady was asking the questions to the people, I started to get nervous about other questions. you know if in in the unlikely event, somebody comes to me with a camera and says, "Hey, do you know, you know who was the you know thirteenth president what was their favorite pet?" Uh, so we Rose and I did some trivia back and forth, and really i was I was quizzing her, you know when when was the Civil war? Who was the president during the time of the Civil War?" And she thankfully got all the answers. Mostly right.
0: <laughs> I would not. I would not get those right. Eighteen sixty-four. 60. I should have gone for it. I should have gone. Get, you for knew it. It. eighteen. I, I, I was going to say eighteen sixty 1860 something. Eighteen sixty-four, and um, the president would have been like Washington, right? <laughs> that's that's right. <laughs> Abraham Washington. <laughs> Abraham Washington. No, that one. That one's easy as far as who was the president because uh, they abolished slavery. So. Um, oh. They're the, the I, true you know, hero.
1: You know, just just to be clear, I was th- I, I was thinking eighteen sixty, but it was sixty one to sixty five. So I actually got it wrong. But I did say that the civil the civil war was occurring during eighteen sixty four in the nineteenth century. For the we have an know.
0: unofficial civil war going on right now. Anyway, Seriously, so we have between Michael and har- the Bass. Hardly any unity. Yeah. Oh my gosh, man, you don't even understand. Fireworks were going off last night, and Aubrey wanted me to like come in bed. And just lay there like while she went to sleep, she's like, "Just bring your Nintendo Switch up. You can play games like while I go to sleep." Normally, I'm downstairs, so like I can be a little bit louder. Like I can be like, "No man!" Like I just died, you know, like when I like lose in a game or something. And so I had to be quiet. But I'm playing, and I hear this noise, and I'm like, "Oh no!" And I turn it (laughs) down. I turn my game volume all the way down. I'm like listening ear to the wall. I'm like, "Are they flapping in there?" I don't think we have bats. I think it was a weird instinct. but Ever since instinct.
1: we sat down, Michael's been checking his phone. I wasn't sure why. It's to check the cameras. He's got bat phobia, apparently. So, I do actually
0: have... What is that called? What would bat phobia be called? Let me turn to you know, the there, World Wide Web real yeah, quick. Bat there's a, phobia. There's a
1: word for fear of 13 I learned in a Netflix documentary as well. I don't remember what the word is, but...
0: Um, the fear of bats is technically known as Chiro... Something like that. Um... Ugh, and there's a picture of like a roost. That's nasty. Chiroptophobia. Chiroptophobia? Uh, that might be it. A... Chiroptophobia, yeah. What... So...
1: So... I don't know if you guys have Netflix, but we watched this documentary. Um, Twilight? A lot of gentlemen... Oh. No, no. It's The Bachelor. So it's called Fear of 13, it's actually, it might have just come off of Netflix, uh, as in they're not, they don't have it out, but really interesting documentary about a guy on on death row who was there for a couple decades and he wasn't guilty of the murder, but he read, uh, he learned 10 big new words every day. And the way he did that was he wrote down the word 10 times, read it out loud 10, 10 times, and he would never forget that, very ed- uneducated. But it was actually inspiring that you can, no matter where you are in your education, you can, through self-discipline, you know, discipline, uh, really grow in your vocabulary, which I, I try to learn a new word every day. I don't always meet up to that, but I find a lot of value in doing that.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I think I would like that. Starbucks used to do that, a word of the day. Um, and it got a little too woke for me. So, <laughs> No, actually, C-R- actually... I couldn't keep up with it because it's like you like read it while you're up there. But there's something about like sitting down and like seeing it in usages and like this word plays out this way. This is how you would properly use it in a sentence. But, you know, they just give you the word definition. That doesn't usually help me. Anyways, we were in Acts chapter four uh, this past Sunday, one verses 23 uh, through 31. Uh, What was something that stood out to you, Mark, or any questions that you may have?
1: Well, I mean, obviously, it was about boldness, and I, I don't have the three points. I wrote them, wrote them down in my Acts journal that you, you shared out with the congregation. But um, I was just thinking, when it comes to boldness, you know, you made some good points that it doesn't matter how much you know, provided you know the basics about the gospel, which every Christian does, um, that no matter how nervous you are or how ill-equipped we are going as a church and as individuals, and we have that obligation. Now, there are certain activities, you know, Rose leaned over to me and she said, do you get nervous when you go knock on doors? And I said, no, I, I actually uh, have zero kind of trepidation about presenting the gospel to strangers I don't know. Now, sharing with people I know uh, that might respect me and I respect them, that's a different situation. I feel like that, that is more meaningful so that's hard for me with those long-term relationships where maybe I've hinted at it or, you know, done a presentation and they really didn't move on it. Um, that's where I was urged to come forward and say, all right, you know, there's some relationships I need to go back and represent the gospel to them and plead with them with boldness.
0: Yeah, so I'm, I'm the opposite. It's like going to a random person's door and knocking and, and sharing the gospel really, like, messes my nerves up. Um, I remember early on in the uh, church plant New Heights uh, when I was back in West Virginia. Um, they were young. Um, I was young, young in my faith. I was getting into ministry. And uh, Pastor Will um, and I went out to invite people to church. And even Sunday, you know, I talked about like invite them to Christ, not just to church. Mm. Um, but we were taking people's buggies back so they wouldn't have to take them back. Right. And Will was like, hey, I'll take your buggy back. Michael's going to share with you the gospel. Bluntly told them that, and I was like, <laughs> oh, crap. Like, Man, I thought I was just here to invite them to church, and and there was something like just, I don't know, just like, obviously I, I shared it because I've experienced the joy of the gospel, mm. um, so it'll come out, but like, man, just nervous. And for me, um, a lot of my evangelism comes um with people I've built a relationship with. Now I share the gospel with people, at least before COVID, when I was out in you know the coffee shop more often. Right. I'd share the gospel there. Um, I'd correct false teachings there and conversations that I was having around the gospel. Um, that's a lot of what I do. Is I think, you know, we're not like in the Bible Belt, but a lot of people still have like an understanding of the gospel, or at least of Christianity in some sense. Um, uh, but a lot of what you run into is these false teachings, really which are damnable because you don't really find the true gospel in works based things or being good enough. You know the yeah. gospel tells us that we're not good enough and that you know we need Jesus. Uh, so a lot of times my gospel presentations come out of those conversations I'm having with people. So I've already established some kind of ground and I'm not just going up just to share the gospel. So um, yeah, the three points it took me a second to was gather, grow and go. I was gonna
1: say grow and go. Two of them
0: yeah, so um yeah, that was it, and you know this is really just a a good passage, um, and there's a lot in in there uh, we didn't get into um a whole lot of you know God's uh predetermined will or um you know predestined will, uh particularly here talking about uh the rejection of jesus that that was something that God was. Um, Had planned out before the foundation of the world. Uh, They said here uh, in verse 28 to do whatever your hand uh, and your plan had predestined to take place. And you ended the service um, really well talking about like if God had predestined uh, the worst tragedy in the world uh, to make much of himself, uh, to glorify himself and bring people to himself uh, through faith in his son, then how much more can he take our broken situations and and turn it for his good, which I thought was really good, a good place for us to to end the Sunday. So thank you for that.
1: Yeah, and when when you look at <clears throat> when you look at the you know verse twenty seven, it says they were gathered together, uh, Herod, Pontius Pilate, and the Gentiles and the Israelites. That's what we usually see, right? We see the media or medium God uses. We see. You know, I lost my job because my boss fired me. Um, my, you know, my spouse and I have a bad marriage because I said this and she said that. Uh, you know, my, my children have become wayward because of X, Y, and Z. We see what's going on in front of our eyes in verse 7 where they gathered together. But what's behind that is God's hand. And that's how I've tried to view my life, and I don't do it instinctively. It really I have to get myself to the point where, uh, when I look at a circumstance and it upsets me or depresses me or whatever it might be, I need to see behind that the hand of God, even the bad things, and that He's doing that for my good, and and His glory. Um, actually, just to be a little vulnerable here, I've not publicly spoken and well over a year, and something didn't come out quite right when I spoke, and I was really, you know, I was really embarrassed afterwards, and I thought, do I do I believe my own words that I said, that God will use this, even a failure in speaking, being nervous in front of people, for my good and his glory? Well, if I'm consistent, I have to, and that that was part of God's plan, and I can rest and, and uh, know that my Heavenly Father is directing. Now, that's not a you know, horrible tragedy, depending on who you are, but it, it's really, it changes, it's a, it's a new lens to look at our lives through, that without it, everything is just right in front of us, and it has no meaning and no purpose, because God's not involved in it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, it, it goes back, I don't know the view, but like, uh, those who believe like God created and just withdrew himself, and just is letting it all play out, like yeah. all things, and it's De- like... It's deism. Yeah. yeah. So... And uh, it's just not true, especially within the Christian faith, you know, you'll find other religions, I'm sure that that fits pretty well with, but um, it's just not true of the triune God, the true God, right? Mm-hmm. That that we have a God who um, desires a relationship with his people, um, he will get his relationship with his elect people, like with uh, born-again Christians, Um but there's just something like good to be known about like God being in control of all things. Like mm. It's not like, oh, crap, that happened, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Um, now, I don't know your view or how you, you know, we've kind of talked about this before, but like how much God um, allows to happen um, and then him still being in control of it, or does he cause all things? Yeah. So, I mean, and, and here, yeah, I'll, I'll throw this out. Sure. I'm sure there's some transparency here in like how we see, these things maneuvering. Uh, and I do think scripture reveals so much and then it withholds so much, right? Yes. Like about, cause I mean, that that's what they're saying here is. And when I say they, the, the people speaking here in acts four, um, as they lift up their voices together, they acknowledge the old Testament scriptures, um, for truly the city that were gathered, uh, together against your holy servant, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. So they get this idea of so, like the sovereign Lord, mm-hmm. um, which they address him as such in verse twenty-four. Uh, but down to twenty-nine, it's so because God's in control. Uh, they want to be given boldness while God does what only God can do. They don't take credit for the healings. They want to speak with boldness right. while God stretches His hand out uh, to heal and while other signs and wonders are performed through the name of holy servant, Jesus. Mm. Um, but how much is God causing and how much is he allowing, but still being in control of, I would take the position, um, that the, the effects of the fallen world take place. Um, now God, obviously, so this is what you have to deal with, whether or not you believe he caused things to happen or not, is that he obviously being all powerful can stop evil things from happening. Yes. Um, and a lot of times he doesn't stop them from happening. Um, now, ultimately, I think the purpose doesn't change regardless of the side you're on, is whether he's allowing or causing. Um, it's to glorify Jesus and, him, and I mean right. himself, right? That that the name of Jesus would be exalted um, through good times and bad. That in the bad times, you would see that God does have a plan and that Jesus can be glorified. And, and God is most glorified when we are obedient, even in the midst of our suffering, um, to the point where it's like, hey, I'm, I've just lost a loved one. I've lost a child. I've um, lost my job. I've lost everything. Um, and I'm still going to praise God. Like a lot of people the world would say, no, you've got a right to be super mad about that. You've right. got a right to shake your fist at God. Um, but you don't in that moment. Like there's something that even outsiders will see and say, like, that's different. Yeah. But it comes from understanding the sovereign God. Right. The God who's in control of all things.
1: Yeah, I mean whatever, you know, what I'm about to say, I want to preface it with the fact that God is not the author of sin, that he does not delight in the death of the wicked and um Yes, I'll just say those two things. And And he doesn't tempt us. And he doesn't tempt us. right? God is not maniacal. He's not evil. He is a purely through and through good God. And um, everything he does is good. Now, I do see in Scripture, you know, uh, from the perspective of God allowing things. Um, And then I see behind that, because he is the first causer, um, though he does not sin, it's it's like Shakespeare. When Shakespeare wrote, you know, the plays that he wrote, did he did he do the things that he wrote about? No, he did not. He is not responsible for what the actors in his plays did, but he did write the play. And so, I do believe this entire world is a big stage. Uh, we we are in a sense props. We are not the center of the stage. We are props on that stage for the God-Man Jesus Christ to come on and take all the glory and collect his people to himself. And I do see in scripture, God uh, operating and moving very actively in the world. Uh, it says he kills and he makes alive. So God clearly has his hand in death, uh, in judgment or in mercy. Right. And I see in Isaiah that he says, I create darkness and I create light or chaos. I, I create chaos. So I, I, I would take the more... Um, I would take the side more. I would emphasize more the fact that God is causing things to move in motion. Even the king's decision, the ki- you know the the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord, and He moves him wherever He wants to. So I think I I tend to emphasize that a little bit more, but I don't want to do it to the omission of the responsibility of the creature. That is, I've I've heard ministers and people talk about God's predestination that really alleviates them from any kind of responsibility. Right. And I want to, I want to equally emphasize that the man, the the man, woman, child, they, they as uh, the author of their own sin and them and us and Adam, uh, they, they are responsible for that. And, and God will be praised not, you know, for, for uh, being just in all of it.
0: Right. Yeah. And there's, there's really no way, um, to get around like the fact that like, you know, God's in control. Like, I mean, when we read the Bible like, and that's what I'm saying, like you you really come to the same conclusion no matter what, yes. um, is that God is either allowing it or causing it. And it doesn't change the ultimate purpose. Um, you know, like we've, we've got to glorify Jesus and it doesn't matter what this world throws at us. And God may not be the author, which he's not the author of sin. Right. right. But, um, using those things to bring himself glory, um, it's really tough, I think, for, for us to, to grasp that. But again, I thought the way you ended the service was so um, so good and something that even I needed to hear. Um, taking, not just taking, causing. So the example would be with Jesus, right? Is that God wasn't, the Father wasn't in heaven thinking like, oh, how did he end up on the cross? Yeah. Right? It, it says whatever your hand and your your plan had predestined to take place there in Acts. Um, and again, I mean, it caused them to to want to be bold, like knowing that God was in control. Um, and if you know that God's in control of your situation, you'll end up like, I think, the believers in, in Acts chapter 4, where it's like, all right, well, we got to go and tell people about it. Like, we got to go tell them of his, his glory. Like, it doesn't matter if we end up in jail. It doesn't matter if we end up killed. It doesn't matter if we end up hated. Um, you know, Jesus, the, I didn't... I think I like briefly um, touched on it but like Jesus's words where he said you know they'll hate you because of me mm. right and it's it's not us it's because of Jesus who lives in us. but like that should be something it's not like celebrated like oh yeah they hate us how awesome but like it's a reminder um, of God and his plan and the rebellion against God from the world that you know like the nations plot against them, the peoples plot against him um, Romans 1 uh, they suppress the truth they know it, uh, and they suppress it. Um, so it's just an encouraging word to hear. Well,
1: and I think I was gone for this Sunday, and Simon might have preached this in Acts 2, but Peter is really on this. I mean, he he clearly believed in this because in 2.23 it says, This man, Jesus, delivered over, not by people, although that's true, but by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God. You nailed him uh, to a cross by the hands of godless men and put to death so really he's just stating this from another angle and it's you know along with the apostles in acts 4 uh, and then you see that a lot in peter's writing that jesus was you know foreordained before the foundation of world to be the sacrificial lamb so um yeah i think i think our our problem like there are some hyper calvinists that doesn't mean they're calvinists who drank too much coffee but they take away the responsibility of man. They take away the need to evangelize <clears throat> and pray. They say that there is no image of God and fallen man now. Those are, those are errors we would reject. Uh, I don't think we have that problem in our culture and our society in the church. I think we tend to omit those dirty words like predestination and election. And they're not. They're beautiful words that the scripture repeatedly uses for our consolation. Um, And so, so, yeah, when it comes to that greatest evil, it's like God planned that for the greatest good. And he's using all the evil in my life, whether committed by someone else or by myself, for my good. And I I can take comfort that my father in heaven knows what's best for me, that he's directing my path. Although I take, you know, like the Proverbs talk about You know, we try to plan our steps, but the Lord's really the one who directs us in the way we should go. The answer of the tongue is, you know, the man thinks he's answering with the tongue, but it's really God who gets the word that wants, is going to be spoken out.
0: So the purpose, so I'm not going to play devil's advocate, but like, just kind of draw a little bit out of you here uh, for the audience. Um, Would you say... Uh, if God's causing all things, right? Right. Correct. Does He cause us to sin, or would that be a part that He doesn't cause?
1: So, so you you see in Isaiah where the people say, "Why do you ca-, and in Psalms, "Why do you cause us to err? And I would say that there's two parts. To that first, it's a false accusation that sin comes from the heart of man. Um, that in reality, God is not causing me to sin. He is not actively at work in my life to cause me to sin. Now, um, you know, this is sin comes from uh, originally the disobedience of our first parents tempted by Satan, and we're all responsible in that sin. So it's 100% on us. God is not causing us. Uh, I would say that he allows it and uses it uh, but but behind that, if you if you take a step back from that logically, if God is in control of all things and he foreknew all things and he planned all things, then as the first causer, I think depending on how you're using that word, you could appropriately, if you get all your definitions worked out, say that God, since he causes all things and sin being part of that, I think you could, but you you'd have to put up so many, definitions around that mm-hmm. to where it might strip the word cause of it. And you right. would just say he allows
0: it. And then to your point, like of causing maybe affliction or times of trial or tribulation, whatever it might be. Um, he can cause that um, to draw us closer to himself because that's not sin, right? He's not right. causing us a sin. He's not tempting us. Um, but what if it's somebody
1: sinning against you? That's your trial, Right. Is that, I mean, is that cause it, is that a causation? Like God's doing something. Well, he's not causing someone else to sin. Exactly. But
0: like, but that affliction, um, because all of it should lead us closer to God. And I think that in our affliction, our allegiance is shown most. Um, if you shake your fist at God, then it shows where your relationship with God is. So, um, again, causing that to, to draw us closer to himself, right? That he would be glorified. And I think a lot of times we miss that, especially especially in the midst of that trial, right? Like mm-hmm. afterward, we can look at it and be like, yeah, I see the hand of God was all over that. And we'll yes. say it in that same tone, like, I see, I know. But then you get back in the midst of a trial and you're like, oh, why God, why? Um, when really he, he wants you to be dependent on him, rely on him. Um, and again, you get from the outside world, like a non-believer's perspective, like, well, how selfish and uh, of God that, you know, like he needs you like that. And it's like, he did, He wants you. He yeah. wants that relationship with you. He saved you. Um, so even to all of this, uh, John 15 is what I was talking about earlier. If the world hates you, so this is John fifteen eighteen. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would have loved you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. So you get those that terminology again, I chose you, what did he choose us for? He chose us out of this world, therefore, the world hates you. Hmm. Uh, he continues on talking, so these are red letters, this is Jesus talking. Um, hmm. Verse 23 is a, another big one you hear a lot, whoever hates me uh, hates my father also. Um, so Jesus is sharing unity there with the father, You know they're not separate, but then he here in verse 26, I'm just trying to spare some time of reading all of that. 26 and 27. So the whole point. So if we understand um, that God's in control, that it's not because of us that the world hates us. It's because of Jesus. And that's okay, right? Like, don't back down. Like, that's a good thing. Don't You don't have to celebrate it. Yay, the world hates me. But in 26... But when the Helper comes, whom I send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me, and you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. Hmm. So he he assures the apostles of this witness that they will carry forth. He assures them of this power that will come upon them, that you're going to be hated. And there's this, this idea that that's going to suck, right? Like in our fallen mm. state and our worldly state, we don't want to be hated, right? We don't want right. to face conflict. Some of us are okay with conflict. We're okay with, you know, confrontation and getting involved in it. Um, but Jesus, We're scary
1: when you need it, <laughs> yeah.
0: When, when Jesus tells him this, he says, all of this, the world's going to hate you. um, Verse 25, I'll I'll back up a little bit. Again, trying not to read it all, but we may end up getting there. But the word that is written in their law must be filled. They hated me without cause. Mm. But, he says, when the helper comes, they will bear witness. So our witness is not of our own, right? We're not witnessing of our own goodness. Um, We're not witnessing of our own message. And we're not witnessing out of our own power, but by the spirit who lives inside of us, Mm. whom Jesus calls the helper, which is great because we need help. Um, getting boldness uh, to share this message, even when we're hated and potentially threatened uh, for our life or threatened temporarily, momentarily with our jobs or whatever it might be, that we would speak boldly um, Mm -hmm. of the gospel. Again, not our power, but the power within us.
1: Yeah, and and when you look at those who are persecuting you or would-be persecutors, it's really interesting when the apostles quote, uh, when the people quote, they quote from Psalm 2, you know, why are the nations in an uproar? And he goes on, and the nations say against the Lord and against his anointing, let us tear their fetters apart and cast their cords from us, whether it's his law or his love, I don't know, or both. But it says here, here's God's reaction to those persecuting his people, He who sa- and, and particularly his Christ and those who are in him. Uh, he who sits in the heavens laughs, the Lord's scoffs at them. And I I think of that Shia Lin song uh, that trying to, you know, God's enemy coming against him and his people, which are viewed in the same, since we're part of the body of Christ, not, you know, metaphysically or anything, but it's like a kid, a a kid with a super soaker trying to conquer Spain. It's just not going to work. And it doesn't look like that. It's real swords. It's real bullets when they persecute, but God, God is laughing because he knows that the blood for those who are martyred, the blood of the martyrs is, you know, the seed of the church. Uh, just like in Exodus when the, the Egyptians, they persecuted the Israelites, they multiplied. And that's exactly what happens. So it's a good thing. It's, it's like there should be a, you know, I, I remember when I went to Tri-C and I had a world religion class. And I think I've shared this story with you guys before. And it was uh, the most vocal people in the class were me and my friend Mahmoud behind me. He was uh, a Muslim. And we were very vocal and we'd have conversations. I'd quote scripture and it infuriated people that I would dare quote scripture. But I remember the teacher was actually making fun of me behind my back with some of the students. They were laughing. And I was reading in my Bible just as they were doing that. And you you quoted some of this from 1 Peter 3 uh, and, and 4. But it says here that if you are, uh, if you are reviled for the name of Christ, by the way, they're they're mocking me and my God and my belief in my God at the very moment I'm reading this. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. And, And I realized, I was like, man, this is a good thing that I'm persecuted. This is a good sign because it shows that I'm one of his people. I'm standing up for the truth, and it means God and his spirit are resting upon me. And of course, the the seed of the serpent is going to go against the seed of the one that was to come to crush his head. So there's these two two seeds throughout all of history, the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman. And if you're a believer, you're a seed of the woman, and the seed of the serpent will constantly try to crush you. But in Romans 16, Paul says that uh, we'll crush Satan under our feet, and that includes his people as well.
0: I think we oftentimes forget that. I, truly, I do. Like, there's literally a a war going on at all times, spiritual war, right? And we just we think that everything's just going to be groovy. And I I really do. I mean, I think that's mainly here in America that that we get that idea um, because we've been given freedom of religion, and really what it, it mm-hmm. became was freedom of silence. Like we mm-hmm. were able to be silent, and because America had some Christian values that. It was just unwritten. Like, everybody kind of knew about God. So, like, we had some common ground and, you know, whatever. Like, we're just not going to be persecuted. But as, as times change, and I'm not saying that, like, tribulation, like, seven years is kicking off tomorrow or whenever. But, but don't be surprised um, when people give you backlash. Just don't back down. Yeah. Like, that's the biggest thing is, like, that's going to show where your allegiance lies. And maybe those moments, maybe God sends uh, the person with the hardest of hearts to to come into your life and it's challenging you to remain steadfast in your relationship with the Lord. Like I -hmm. need you, God, to give me the boldness. I want you to soften this person's heart. Um, but help me to remain faithful like in this moment, because it's tough. Like when we get out there and it's so easy to begin to, to give into ideas and of, yeah, you know, if you, everybody's a good person it's like, because we're looking for some common ground, but like scriptures tell us that no one's good. No, not one. Um and again, it goes into the definition of good right like you may do something outwardly good um, to the appearance but like if it's not in a sense of glorifying God because you're not doing it to glorify God then it's not good right there's mm-hmm. and we just we miss that mark a lot um, one thing we miss is is sharing the gospel right which is really a lot of what we're talking about praying for boldness as you go um, should a Christian feel guilty and bad and like they just aren't good enough. Should should a lack of obedience hinder someone's worship? Yeah. Kind of like performance Christianity.
1: Sure. Yeah. I, I've gone back and forth on this because I, I listened to um, some of the reformers and some of the, the modern day reformers who emphasize, look, your identity and your reputation is in Christ. Like literally everything you've done that was bad was put on Christ. Everything you've done good was done by Christ through you. Um, and, and therefore, whatever happens, whatever you do, that's not your identity, that's not your reputation. I might be in a sense in this world, but in reality before God, your reputation is Christ himself. And then I read like John Owen's uh, Overcoming Sin and Temptation, which is a very difficult read, especially for you know uh, an ADHD person like myself. And he talks about when the law wounds you, don't don't apply the gospel too quick to yourself, which is very interesting because that's what I think the correct answer is. Uh, I think confession, acceptance of God's forgiveness. I actually put on my phone, uh, you know, a hand writing in the sand, forgiven, just to remind myself because I can forget that. But when I when I come to church sometimes, uh, whether I had a bad week, bad morning, I my worship is often characterized by the performance that I had during that week. And I believe that is not the way to worship. I shouldn't, my level of joy, my le- level of willingness to serve God or to love God or his people should not be rooted in my performance. And th- this is very liberating because I think most churches, uh, though they haven't read John O and they take that and they say, no, your joy is based on your obedience. you level of uh you know devotion to god is what really you're standing before god and that is a that is a aspect of works righteousness so when i come to worship if i had a horrible week um my answer is not well let's wait till next week you know let's let's wait till i do better then i can worship god in good conscience no the answer is confess my sin know that i'm forgiven and then look to Jesus and whatever he did in his life, all the good he did, the miracles before, that's That's my credit before God. And I think it's just seeing who you're identified with. Are you identified with yourself and your performance? Or are you identified with Jesus and what he did? And if it's the latter, then you have this huge weight taken off you and you're like, wow, I can actually work, I can worship God with good conscience because of what Christ did in my place in his life and in his death.
0: Right. And, you know, I think even approaching uh, Communion Sunday, which is, you know, this Sunday, uh, mm-hmm. thinking about that because we talk about taking it in a worthy manner. You know, we can think back to our week, like, oh, I wasn't worthy, so I can't take communion. Right. And it's like, when you come to a place of worship, it, it shouldn't leave you um, sorrowful in the sense, like, you can't be picked back up. Mm. Um, but it should lead you to a place of, of repentance, and um. And maybe, I, I don't think, I'm hopefully not, like, countering anything you said, because I agree, but, like, you, you should, like, be confronted with that, but find the joy in Christ. It's like, okay, well, I've been forgiven, so it's like let's just, let's get back to it. Let's get back to obedience. And like, I think a lot of Christians find themselves in almost like at a rock and hard place. It's like, well, now like I had a horrible week being a Christian. So it's like, now everything's just flipped upside down and I can't do anything. Um, but everybody should be encouraged. It's like, it's behind you. Um, the cross is ever before you and just keep looking to that and striving. Um, but yeah, you're, you're not, um, labeled, uh, by what you've done, but what, but by what Christ did on your behalf, if you're a believer. Um, now that doesn't give you like, you know, you have weeks go by and it's like, ah, every time I come to church, I just feel this conviction. Like I yeah. didn't do something this week. It's like, well, all right, like then something should change. Um, but you're no more a Christian because you had a great week or a bad week, up or down. Like it, you know, you find that rest in Christ and you worship because of, of Christ and, and what he's done for you and you find that joy, you find peace, in that, so like, if you come to church and you're like, you know, I, I didn't witness enough, or I missed opportunities, mm. or I openly just rebelled against God, and it's like, well, leave it there um, at the cross and worship. Like, that's the time to fall on your knees, not like curl up and cry. Yeah, and you know you, what I mean.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned the caveat. So, if you're in a squabble with a brother or sister in church, and that is outstanding. The answer is not okay. It's under the blood. Uh, I'm going to go worship. No, Jesus says, put your gift down at the altar. Don't don't worship. Go pull them outside, and that I think that might be appropriate in, in s- some cases. Pull them outside and say, listen, brother sister, I offended you. I did this, and I'm sorry. Or if it's if it's heinous enough, it needs to be dealt with right there. It's hey, you really offended me. Or you know if a, if a man or a woman are in an active affair, (laughs) they can't come to church and say, you know what, it's under the blood. I'm just going to move forward. No, you need to get that dealt with. And that would be like
0: sin, right? Like when we're talking about like unrepentant sin, it needs to be dealt with. Um, And, you know, like I think you hit the, the nail on the head. Like if you see somebody in church and you're like, you know, particularly on, you know, communion Sundays, like the first Sunday of every month and you see them standing up there, like that would be the time... Like You said, go grab and go outside and have a talk. Um, try and work it out. Um, we've got enough pastors. If you need someone to mediate real quick, like it's there, but like definitely repent of that sin. So, like, don't just ah, oh, sin, but yeah, it's under the blood. Um, uh, no, like, repent, right? You know, fall to your knees, and that's why I say, like, fall to your knees, don't curl up, like, mm. uh, fall to your knees, repent. Like, yeah, like it, it's not good when we openly rebel against God, it's not good when we um, don't take the opportunities God's presented before us to, um, proclaim our allegiance, uh, to him, but, um, repent. Don't, don't just say, oh, well, I guess I'll just have to get it right. And I'll take communion next week or, or next month or, um, whatever it might be, but, but definitely don't rob yourself of the joy that you've already been given in Christ Jesus. Like a lot of people, they just get so sorrowful and I'm just not good enough. And it's like, We've already said no, we're oh, not we're not good enough. That's why um, we're
1: taking communion.
0: <laughs> right. A word like that's why we're here to worship, you know, we're here to gather around his word and and to be sanctified by it and you know, fellowship with one another, other um wretched people. Like I mean, mm. all of us are in the same boat, but like if you find yourself continually uh being joyless, then maybe you need the gospel. I mean, mm. truthfully, uh yeah. there's a good book, uh Reforming Joy by Tim Chester where he talks about that, but that we've gotten away from the joy of the gospel, right? It's, it's the joy that we experienced this one time, but it was joyful in that moment. It's like when you get married, right? Oh, we reflect on that day so much. And it's like, are you still married? <laughs> like you still have joy from that marriage. You still have joy from being united as one and, and being made one flesh. Mm-hmm. Um, and we oftentimes we just forget about those because they're like one-off moments. And it's like, all right, baptism, for instance, would be a one-off moment, right? Where you're right. It's the one time you're baptized um, if you were baptized the right way, like you're dunked in water, and yes, it's a one-off moment. Um, that experience will carry with you for the rest of your life. But your salvation is something you're experiencing forever, mm. like literally eternally. Like there's a moment where you become saved, but that joy, that happiness, shouldn't go away. Um, and truthfully, it probably goes back to the passage that we were talking about. Is um, you experience that joy, and, and therefore you're going to go out. You're going to go tell people. You you know about the sovereign God. And you know that He's in control. Uh, so go and tell people. It shouldn't just be, oh, it was a cute moment. I walked the aisle. I was five or six, or maybe you were forty, and you know, like great moment, and people celebrated with you. No, we continue to celebrate with you. Like just because there's not a big party for you because that day of coming to know the Lord is is done, doesn't mean your salvation isn't being worked out. Mm. who is it who writes that I mean it's scripture yeah, as you work out your salvation
1: yeah Philippians to work out your salvation with fear and trembling not work for yourself yeah. but work out your salvation with fear and trembling and the the reason is for it is God who is at work in you both to do of his goodwill yeah that's the and I I like how you said that about we have been saved we are being saved and we will be saved because you know like you said it's like when people get married, they look back to that day. Well, I was saved when I was however old. And that's their, that's their like only fr- fr- frame of reference rather than saying, no, I'm being saved. Now, I'm justified, right, before God declared righteous once and for all. But he's continuing, you know, because we're, we're, we're not yet saved from the presence of sin. Um, you know, when we're, what's the, the three or four Ps? We're saved from the penalty of sin. We're pre, uh, saved from the pleasure of sin in a sense, although we still sin. Um, what, do you know the other two Ps you know I'm talking about? Mm-mm. Yeah, A.W. Pink talks about this. But we're not saved from uh, the, the presence of sin. It's still ongoing. And so God is still deliver, actively delivering us from this until we're glorified.
0: Right. Yeah, and no, that's that's good. You said something I wanted to, to hit on. But um, actively working on our salvation. Um
1: God, you
0: know? Yeah. What was the first thing you said? Yeah. You, um, you got me trying to think oh, of so geez. so
1: not work for salvation, but work out our salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at hmm. work in you, both to do in good of, of His good pleasure.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. um, it's it's good because I, I think that oh yeah that that was it. I'm less concerned um, about the moment or the time that hmm. you came to faith. Um, and, and that's where it's like, right. don't, don't get hung up on your fruit. Like, oh, I'm not bearing fruit. Like, that's what we're talking about, right? Yeah, like, that's right. Well, I'm not bearing fruit. Like, that's performance Christianity. But there is a sense, like, when we look at it, they will know you by your fruit. Um, so a lot of times we've looked at these moments. Oh, you, know, you walked an aisle, but you never bear fruit. And in the Baptist realm, it's like, oh, well, they profess faith and eternal security. They're saved. And it's like, eh but like i'm less concerned about like that moment like there are people in our church who've recently come to faith um, and i'm excited to be able to baptism baptize them uh soon but they'll tell you like yeah he's my lord and it's like the last time i was talking to them that wasn't what they were mm-hmm. proclaiming and it's like well do you know when and it's like no like i was just i was going to guys or girls study and i just kept hearing these truths and it's like I believe it, like Jesus mm. died on my behalf. Like he's my Lord. Like I've repented and believed. Mm. When? I'm not really sure like when it happened. And it's like that's within like the past few months. You don't know. And it's like it really like it, it doesn't yeah. matter, right? Like yeah. they're telling you that they've repented of their sin. They believe in God um and, and what Jesus did on their behalf. They believe the gospel. Um Jesus is their Lord. Lord over everything. And you see it in them more than like the person who uh, walked an aisle mm-hmm. and Uh, you know, pastor baptized me and that was it. And like, there's something special about that. Like needs to be celebrated. Like when we're talking to people about their testimony, don't always look for, um, that time. Right. But like what they're saying now, like that is so important, uh, to begin to grasp because I mean, you don't see that in, uh, the scriptures of all they like walked an aisle. It says like thousands came to believe. Mm. Yeah.
1: And none of them walked an aisle.
0: Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's really not the, uh, the method um, per se, but you know God's saving people in, in various ways for sure. But by His word for sure, that that we know. Hmm. Word comes from hearing, hearing by the word of God. So
1: that's right. Yeah, I, I like <clears throat> I like that you said it, it. Not that it doesn't matter, you know, what your profession when your profession was, but right. it's it's about now. Are you believing? Are you repenting? Now there is a. Uh, saving faith and a saving repentance that when you do that, uh, Hebrews talk about not laying again the foundation of faith and repentance where you cannot be born again, again, um, you know, being born again is a one time occurrence. But an evidence of that is that you will continue to believe. So some people who I talk to who struggle, you know, as I really saved when I said that prayer, it gets to the point. It's like, look, who cares? At the end of the day, do you believe now? Are you repenting now? Yes. Okay. Right. <laughs> You're saved, brother yeah. or sister.
0: Which is what I, I mean. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, you know, there are plenty of people who have a testimony um, of doing some kind of walking in aisle. Pastor Gary shared, like, when he was a kid, um, you know, they would tell a story and they'd say, All right, if you want to know about a relationship with Jesus, you can stay in here and talk to us, or you can go into the cafeteria and have crackers, like, uh, have a snack. And it's like all the kids are always going to go get a snack. But Pastor Gary will tell you, I stayed that day. Mm. and there's evidence there when a kid's choosing to hear the gospel over going and having a snack with their friends mm. so there are those moments and he remembers that it's stuck with him forever um, but sometimes we just get so caught up on like but you don't know the time and it's like no they're believing right like they're telling you right now what they believe so it's not that the time doesn't always matter right like it's, it's beautiful to hear those testimonies especially from older people when you, like, you know, five or six-year-olds, like, not much you repent of, it's like, right. beating my brother or sister or and, like... Lying to my parents. Yeah, throwing the cat across the room, whatever it might be, stopping... Yeah, anyways. But, um, you know, you hear these stories. like, I was in prison, and, you know, like, I remember, like, reading the scriptures because that's all we had to do. You hear these testimonies, and it's like, at that moment, I came across a passage, and I repented and believed. And they remember those moments. But it's like, it doesn't have to be one specific way um, other than repenting and believing.
1: That's right. And, and, you know, I, I grew up in kind of, when I became saved, I grew up in a culture that glorified, uh, you know, my radical salvation, my checkered past. It was like, wow, that's special. And I looked around at all the other, you know, kids who grew up who didn't do the things that I did. And I thought, man, they have a, in a sense, they have a better testimony of God's grace than I do because I, you know, God sustained them and kept them from those things, uh, they were faithful. and I was just telling, I don't know if I was telling you or Gary, but the prayer for my children is that they will they will not remember a day when they did not know and love Jesus. Now I believe that you you know, you have to believe, you have to repent. there is a moment where God justifies a person, right. But at that age, when they're so young, you know the way we teach them, uh, I don't want them to look back to a day. I want that to be ingrained in them. They're like, you know, I've always really loved Jesus, and I know it sounds counterintuitive, but at that age, you don't really remember stuff quite as well or vividly, and I want them to always know that they've loved Jesus, and and then that they always will. That right, it's ingrained.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, and what you're saying is, it's not that you don't want them to be exposed to the other side of like this is what's wrong and you know whatnot, but like right. there is something special about not being taken over. So yes. like, which is what you're saying, like your kids won't remember like a time where it's like, I was
1: smoking meth and <laughs> yeah, like yeah,
0: like I was actively obeying the enemy, right? right? Like right. I was a slave to my master, and my master happened to not be Jesus. I want right? them to be rather boring. be slaves to righteousness.
1: Yeah, I want them to have very boring testimonies. Yeah, in that way.
0: There you go. Um, last thing to to talk about. I wanted to hit. Uh, we've got like six minutes left. Um, talk about COVID. Um, we've gotten some questions about the vaccine and where do we go from here. And um, again, we're recording June first tomorrow. The restrictions are officially lifted, um, at least here in Ohio, or is it national?
1: No, just Ohio.
0: Ohio. Yeah. So um, you won't be required, other than like a business, a private entity tells you, you know, to wear a mask, I guess. But um, we'll talk with vaccines real quick. Uh, what's your view on vaccines, COVID vaccine? Uh, feel free to share your belief. This yeah. is transparent.
1: Yeah. So I, I, I don't want to be divisive, but I do want to be open about it where, you know, I've talked to some people at the church who who have gotten the vaccines sure. and that's fine. I'm not, I'm nobody's judge. I'm not looking down on anybody. Um, I, I would say that if if you are, you know, if you're old and you get it, look, that that makes sense to me you know, if you have underlying health conditions, that makes sense to me. Um, My personal view is if you are a relatively healthy person, relatively young, um, we know that there are very, very few deaths with young people, none in children. Uh, I would, I would, I personally am not going to get the vaccine, not just because I had COVID and I have the antibodies which are better than the vaccine, but I would I would be very cautious with a nine month experimental drug not certified by the FDA. Uh, we've you know we've developed the flu vaccine for over forty years. People still get the flu with it. Um, I would just say that each person needs to do the research rather than just trust what you know the news is saying or or their government, which you know Ronald Reagan said the nine scariest words are "I'm from the government and I'm here to help." You know, we, <laughs> the government is known to lie. So I would say use, use prudence, use, use caution, do the research, talk to numerous resources. Um, the one thing I will, uh, let's, I won't say judge, the one thing I will strongly be against is vaccines in children. Um, I have people who have given their, se- I, I know people who have given their seven-year-old, their 12-year-old, and their 15-year-old the vaccine. And I think you that can get it at seven already. They said they did. I, maybe they
0: didn't, but I think it just opened up to all people like just, just recently. Anyways. Yeah. Babies, crazy, you know, pregnant
1: yeah. women, that to me makes zero sense. I think that's very dangerous. Uh, most doctors will tell you that's unadvisable, at least the ones I've talked to. Um, so my, my position is look, if you've done the research, you're convinced it's good for you. Do it. Um, if if you have questions, just wait. If you've had COVID, do not get the vaccine. Your antibodies are actually better than the vaccine.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, a lot of that has to do with the the technology and behind the vaccine is it's not actually exposing you to the virus. It's teaching your, what is it, white blood cells to fight? Like it's teaching your body to do what it's supposed to do anyway, and that's fight off viruses and, right. um and whatnot. So yeah, I mean, that, that makes total sense. And for me, uh, you know, one of the things, so I, I would be in the same boat as far as, um, you know, if you feel like you're at risk, get it. Uh, I'd be really cautious with children for sure. Um, probably advise against, but talking to, um, one of our, um, attendees who works in the medical field, uh, we were talking about vaccines in general and they were sharing with me that, Uh, they don't vaccinate kids. Um, They don't see that as beneficial. Um, And again, they they made sure they shared that there was no judgment as well towards anybody who vaccinates their children. But their family has taken the stance of um, vaccines are readily available, but that also means treatment's readily available. Mm. So if you came down with smallpox, they can treat it now, like where it wasn't able to be treated. So obviously it's better to avoid it. Anyways, yeah. Um, but even with COVID, it, at the early stage, it was like we don't know how to treat it. Right. And now they've gotten to the point where they can treat it. I was just talking to uh, someone who was visiting the church, and they were like, "Yeah, you know, life's going well. Um, I had COVID uh, a little while ago. My doctor told me, you know, with my asthma and stuff, I should go get an infusion, um, and that'll help hmm. from being hospitalized. And he had it like over a month ago." And still feels like crap. Wow! Um, But he was sharing with me that the infusion really, really helped, Hmm. and his doctor told him that it would keep him from getting hospitalized. He like assured him of that. Um, So I don't know how many people are being told that, or if they even consult with their primary care physician before. You know, like as soon as Mm -hmm. you get it, like, hey, like I've got COVID, I tested positive, I feel horrible. What should I do? Um, And this doctor advised advised him to be infused, like get this infusion. And he wouldn't like he told him, he's like, you won't be hospitalized if you get this. So it's impressive, like uh, the advances um, that they've had outside of the vaccine of just being able to understand the virus better and how to to best treat it. Now, all that to say, um, if you get it or whatever, um, fine. But remember, we are not trying to press uh, these beliefs onto you. Um, and we ask the same from other people. Mm. Um, I think that's that's one thing that's missing here uh, throughout all of this is the transparency of like we can agree to disagree, especially with this vaccine. I got this straight off the CDC's website. Um, there's no guarantee straight from the CDC uh, that you're not still a carrier. Mm-hmm. Uh, they said it's it's really tough to be able to track that. So you could still be a carrier after having the vaccine. And what they're saying out of that is the vaccine is protecting you, not necessarily other people. Um, so, uh, just, just keep that in mind. If you're pro vaccine, you wish everybody would get it. Um, remember the, the cause of it is, is protecting you the mask were to protect other people. Um, so at this point we, we just got to move forward, but move forward with gentleness and respect. Uh, just as we, you know, share the gospel of gentleness and respect, Christians just need to be gentle and respectful. Um, you know. I've I've come to a point where, hey, you're going to have to ask me to wear a mask. Like, you know, get uncomfortable on your side. If you would want me to put it on, then, you know, like our family's taking the position that we would put it on if if you were that uncomfortable um, in certain instances. But things have progressed, and and especially with antibodies out there, I'm glad that we're going the way that we're going. And, you know, we're, as a church family, we're going to keep going this way and and just, you know, pray that everybody stays healthy with whatever might be uh, coming out next. Any virus, any Stomach COVID bug, yeah, bio. all of it, yeah. We just want to be respectful of one another. Uh, use hand sanitizer, but um, ultimately, I want to be exposed to antibodies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, to, and
1: uh, I think that's a great, a great way to, to close, Michael, about being gracious, being respectful, because there's a lot of debates, especially in Christendom. You know, you have. I, I've been part of churches where, you know, if you're putting your kids through public school, like you are, an inferior parent who doesn't love their children and you know it becomes so divisive where there's a lower class and it can be that culture can you know prevail on either side of the fence with this. It's like well if you got the vaccine you're just stupid or boy if you don't get it you're killing grandma and you're stupid. no let's let's be gracious um, don't don't judge don't jump to judgment which I'm quick to do. I'll, I'll admit that I am quick to judge to jump uh, jump to judgment. And instead, I need to take a step back and say, look, that is ultimately their decision. I respect that person. They're a good brother or sister. Um, I, I will give them the benefit of the doubt that they did the research and they did what was best for them and their family mm-hmm. and continue to love them.
0: Right. There you go. We hope this podcast helped you to put Jesus into perspective. If you have questions about this episode, a previous episode, or about our relationship with Jesus, please email us at engage at newhilloh.com, and we'll get back to you to help answer whatever questions you might send in. All right, church, go honor God in all that you do. Observe the things he's commanded, provide to the needs of others, and extend the offer that's been extended to you. Peace. Boom.